This is Fans on the Run, a podcast made by, for, and about Beatles fans. And now, here's your host, Ethan Alexander. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Fans on the Run, the podcast that does, can, and probably will. See, I I I love introducing the show like that. I've done it I've done it about four or five times at this point in various uh various different configurations. I what what can I say? Uh, as the as the youngsters out there will say, I'm in a silly goofy mood. Now, I have I have a special guest today. Um so to you to the older listeners out there you you are most likely familiar with TikTok it's it, it's what the young people are doing it's been around a minute it's yeah uh, so my guest today is actually one of my favorite uh beetle people on the platform who i i feel like you know is a voice of reason in the uh in the uh caves of insanity <laughs> that are that is the internet with that being said she's perhaps brooke on tiktok and instagram and on this show she's brooke bellamy welcome to fans on the run hi brooke. hi <laughs> how, how was that introduction i think it was good See, this is the, this is the second show I've recorded since January, so I'm <laughs> I'm still getting my my groove back. I think it was good. Well, no notes, ten out of ten. No notes, thank you. I I appreciate it. Even <laughs> if you had notes, I wouldn't have. Exactly. Just disregard. Only yeah. take positive feedback. Ignore yeah. the rest. No, I I just don't take feedback in general. <laughs> I just reject it. No, this is my show. Exactly. I, I, I'm the one with the hands on the steering wheel. If you don't like like it, I'll drive into a ditch. There you go. When people are like, make a video about this, I'm like, no, because I don't want to. (laughs) And that's the end of it. Now, uh, I I briefly explained what TikTok was. (laughs) Could you could you explain a bit better than I can what what you do? Sure. I make some silly goofy videos i would say it's the closest to being uh, i gossip about the beatles i take kind of these crazy little anecdotes from whether it's a book or like a little excerpt from an interview i remember and i kind of just expand on it and we have a good time about it so i'm particularly obsessed with making content around like the early days with the girlfriends and just kind of like you know imagine dating paul mccartney when he was 19 years old like what an unhinged experience that is and so i think i like to provide kind of that like youthful feminine perspective of how insane they are (laughs) so a lot of gossips like kind of story time videos but then probably more recently i've started just kind of going more into like my takes on different things so a lot of talking about the breakup could could you explain again to those who may not be familiar with internet lingo what does it take Oh, a hot take, a take. It's your opinion. It's your perspective. Here's an issue. What do you think's going on here? Like, what's the question of India? What happened with the Beatles in India? <laughs> yeah. And and everyone has takes. They do. Unfortunately. Some people have bad takes. 
some a lot of people have really bad takes. I try to just come in like with a I I don't think they're hot. I don't think they're particularly controversial takes. My comment section disagrees sometimes. I think I'm pretty neutral. Um but, you know, I guess to each their own. <laughs> now, um as as we tend to do on the show, I think it, I think it would be most prudent I think this is the first time I've used the word prudent. Well done. There, well there's, done. There's a first for everything. Brooke, how did you first discover the Beatles? Oh, the number one question. I. It's, it's, it's the first question chronologically and in terms of importance. It is. It is the question. Capital T-H, the question. I, well, not I feel... the question as I have a few other ones written. <laughs> True. If so it real. was the question, the show would be a lot shorter. It could be a TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the way I got into them is very basic. I don't particularly have like a great origin story, I guess. My dad was a particular McCartney fan, so it was always playing on the radio. Um, for specifically, I think when I actually was like consciously aware of the Beatles, um, Christmas is a huge deal in my family. And, you know, long before Spotify, my dad was always making these really long Christmas playlists that from Thanksgiving to like St. Patrick's Day, it's the only thing we would listen to in the car. And I don't know why, but on these Christmas playlists. I, I, I already he, like your dad. Right? Oh, he's awesome. At, at some point, he had downloaded the Beatle fan club Christmas messages and just put them in the playlist randomly so they would come on periodically over like a six-week period and i remember being like a six-year-old like one of my earliest memories just sitting in the backseat of this car and i thought a that they were like on the phone like talking to us in real time and i just assumed i don't know why i just assumed that specifically ringo was my uncle <laughs> like i just that was it and so that I think was like my first moment where I was like, I know who the Beatles are, but kind of my whole childhood, they've been, I mean, it's just a Beatles. So it's not really hard. You don't have to look hard to find them, but I don't think probably around the time everyone I was, stumbles onto them in yeah. their own unique way. I was terrified of yellow submarine. Absolutely terrified of the, of the movie. Like just horrified. When, when by did it. you first see the movie? Probably like first grade or something like young. And I just, and I didn't like it the was, art style. Was it of your own volition? Or was it like know. your dad, like, watch Yellow Submarine, it's the Beatles. You know what Love I mean? I think it was my music teacher. Like, you know when you're little and you go to, like, specials in school? I think my music teacher had the Yellow Submarine figurines and they scared the shit out of me. And I think that was, like, my initial aversion to that, that I kind of have not gotten over. I avoid the movie as much as I physically can get away with as a Beatle content creator. <laughs> I, I I get a special kick out of you saying that because just off to the side, <laughs> I have those those figures. They they haunted me. I brought I them I brought them to school like every day in grade three. There you go. I think from more of a like fan community, like closer to content though, Probably, I was really into Michael Jackson for a minute there, and it happened to be the Me year too. he died, right? Me too. The year he died, it was I was into him before he died, so that was a unique traumatic experience at, like, I don't know, like, I was 10. And I was like, oh, my God, they can die? What do you mean they're not book characters? Like, he's a real person? Um, and so 
in that kind of just YouTube rabbit hole, I remember I was watching because he does the cover of Come Be- uh, Come Together in the it, movie in Moonwalker. The cinematic masterpiece. Moonwalker. Masterpiece. Do you ever play the video game? I I have played the video game. It is my my a friend. I have this uh, little the Super Nintendo Classic Edition that my friend uh, hacked, and now I can play anything on it. And the first thing, one of the first things I did was I loaded up the Genesis file for Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. What a game. It's excellent. I I still don't, I don't get it, but it's being able to like, okay. Just the fever dream. It's like he kind of turns into a transformer. It's kind of what happens. He does that in the movie too. Yeah. Like Joe Pesci is trying to inject <laughs> drugs. Pesci's in that movie. <laughs> He's trying to inject drugs into a young girl, and then Michael Jackson. Annie. Yeah, Annie. And then Michael Jackson, his eyes just start glowing, and then his he turns face into a transformer. He like is Optimus Prime. He turns into a giant Gundam. <laughs> and. So that- for, for those of you out there who still own a Sega Genesis, go to your go to your local retro game store and demand a copy of Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. It really is like you'll have like a pre-Moonwalker and a post-Moonwalker perspective on life, honestly. Um, but so when he covered Come Together in it, I just remember being like, oh, yeah, I really like that song. And then exactly like in the same week, I think an American Idol contestant did like a cover of Eleanor Rigby and I just this was like again I was probably 10 I was like that was crap and so then I went back to the original I was like hey, why'd you cover that like you can't do better than that and from that point I think it was just like off to the races and I kind of I go in peaks and valleys where I've been able to like reel in the Beatles but like very openly unhinged really since around like the age 11 see one of the one of the interesting things while while talking to people around my age when it when it comes to the the Beatles origins story or your personal fandom is were you a fan pre like streaming and iTunes or post streaming like did okay. you have to pay for their music or did you find a way around it I think we had the CDs I I had an iPod Nano, and the only thing on it was Miley Cyrus and Justin Bieber. Uh, I'm I a woman still have, of taste. I still have my uh, little silver iPod shuffle somewhere. Mine was purple. I was really with, into purple. With one of the songs from the hit 2007 motion picture classic, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Stop. I'm actually obsessed with that movie. <laughs> yeah. The, the version I'm... of Witch Doctor. Oh my god, yeah. I preferred um remember when they do right round? I think so. Like you spin me right round like a record baby, they do a yeah. cover of it. It's sensational. Now I'm gonna be honest, I haven't seen this film since about two thousand nine. <laughs> Have you seen the squeakquel? Yes. <laughs> what what do you think I am? I know, right? An amateur. A charlatan? I <laughs> I don't even know where to go. <laughs> okay, I, I I can I can steer the the conversation. How did we get to the chipmunks? <laughs> you know, life is a wild ride. It is that it is. So, 
So, do you remember what the first Beatle album you either owned or listened to in full or was given was? I rocked hard with one. I know that's basic, but I feel like it covers your bases. Um, so I was a big one girly pop. Which one? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so that went a lot. I think I, and this is like something I say in my TikTok that I think is like borderline scandalous. I, confession, am like not a record girl. I am like a Spotify, very basic bitch in that regard. So make playlists. I physically own a few uh, like i have a sergeant pepper i have there's like a weird one my friend got me recently called like love songs i've never actually seen it before oh yeah yeah oh yeah i have a few but i have those as collectibles i've never opened them i do not own a record player <laughs> like so i just was very i actually after i had an ipod i had a zune i don't know if you remember a i zune. had a zune i had a zune i loved it too i think it was the best did you hang on to it I did. I literally did until it broke. Until in like 2014, I had a Zoom. Uh, it was, was sensational. Did you, did you get a Pono after that? No, I did not. I just ended up downloading and went on my phone. Um, but Zoom was better. The reason I actually liked Zoom so much was because it was a lot easier to illegally download music. Yes. And so I pulled. I was manually making my own Beatle albums without paying a dollar. Now define making your own. Well, you have to download them. You have to add the cover art. Okay. You have to... I so you're you're gathering it's a labor and, of love, and, you know, arranging them in order. Not Just... like I'm gonna I'm gonna make an album. I'm gonna take this song and this song and this song, and I'm gonna call it the Beatles Rule. There you go. Yeah. No, yeah, it was just kind of... I would skip songs I didn't like, though. So, like, Flying didn't make the cut on my... <laughs> Flying didn't make the cut? Didn't make the cut. Oh. That's what I'm saying. I know we have these, like, sometimes... I think the content creators, we can have these kind of, like, pretentious takes. We all have to pretend. Like, I'm like, no, I don't listen to Flying. They're not singing. Moving Are on. Are you calling me pretentious? I'm calling everyone pretentious. I'm coming out hot, and I'm saying I'm tired of pretending to care about Flying. <laughs> Do you like Blue Jay Way? I do, actually. That is actually one of my okay. favorite songs. We, we can remain friends. See, there you go. Reel it back in. Like, it's the sweet and sour. <laughs> yeah. The the sour milk sea. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to hit you with a bit of an existential question. Go for it. What do the Beatles mean to you? They are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> They are. I truly and and thank you for saying that because I think I just figured out what the next question is. <laughs> they are literally my like Paul McCartney is literally my best friend. I am obsessed with them. Obviously, we're all obsessed with them, but like for me, obviously love the music. But for me, it's so easy to go so deep into just their personalities that I sometimes forget there's even music to listen to because I'm just like everything about them. I think for me. I'm like, if you, A, confuse me, I'm obsessed with it and I need to understand why. And the Beatles are great for that because there are so many questions that we will never have answers to because there are no answers. Like, there's just, we cannot try to attribute reason to everything John Lennon did. And I, it's, you know, that is a fruitless pursuit of knowledge. There will be no solution there. 
Um, but then also if you make me laugh, I'm just going to be endlessly obsessed with it. And that's what they do constantly. So I'm just, I feel like I've grown with them. I started off very John focused. I was a very big John girl. Um, my eighth grade yearbook aspiration, like they made you like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? My aspiration in eighth grade was just to marry John Lennon. Just, just put that in a yearbook. Classic. Well, tech technology is advancing at an alarming rate. You never know. I mean, we got this AI going. Yeah. Um, you, you never know. But so as I got older, I definitely went strong into the Paul camp and I identify as a Paul apologist, an apologist, if you will. Uh, but yeah, so they're just, they bring joy. I've met so many friends through it. I think one of the things I love is that it's sort of like a universal language. So you can kind of go into any space and just kind of say the word Paul McCartney. Like I was talking to my dentist the other day. I was like, oh, I waited outside for like 10 hours to meet Paul McCartney and touched his finger. And she was like, I would have dropped dead. And I was like, I fell too. And or like, that's was just... it like, oh, okay. A, a little of that, like a little. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just no matter where you go, you can always have some form of a conversation about it with people. And I love that because I'm a chatty Kathy. So anything that can get people talking. I thought your name was they're great talk. Right? I'm Kathy by night. <laughs> um, you, you just touched on something, which I think is something really interesting. And it's, it's a phenomenon that I'm sure has been going on. Well, I know it's been going on, you know, ever since the Beatles began and were famous, but I think it's more interesting now in the context of Gen Z because, well, to be blunt, two of them are dead, and <laughs> uh, the other two are like eighty in their eighties, and they still there is still a parasocial relationship with the Beatles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I I take it even farther. I have a parasocial relationship with Linda McCartney. I'm convinced that she would have been my best friend if we were like like. That is my soul sister, and I don't care what anyone says. And people in my comment section sometimes try to clap back and be like, oh, Linda can be very cold sometimes. I go, good for her. Good for her. I love that for her, <laughs> as she should. Um, no, but definitely with the parasocial, I think it's – I do think that kind of is just, again, like a testament to how they just don't age. Like, she loves you is going to slap – it slapped in 1964, and it's going to. Like, it's just like, damn, these are really good hooks. As far as from, like, the Gen Z kind of girl angle, the fact they were pretty fucking cute doesn't hurt. Um, I think that's part of the – it's very easy. Like, it's very funny on Twitter. Sometimes I'll be scrolling, and I'll see, like, a thread, and it'll be, like, POV, point of view, Paul McCartney's your boyfriend. And it's just pictures of Paul that, like, look candid, and, like, they even edit it to make it look like it was taken on an iPhone. And I'm just like, this is what the 15-year-olds of today are doing. And I just love that that's when, like, every – there's been a – wave of girls who are obsessed with Paul McCartney and want to date Paul McCartney from 1963 and it's going to endure long after he's gone. <laughs> See, I I feel like uh the the role of of teenage girls in the Beatles story gets oh big time. A, a little under under uh understated. Big time. I mean, that's the reoccurring issue of you know, the, the teen girlies, the girlies were on to something with the Beatles. They were on to something. But then the second 
you know, typically more older men or even just boys, but the second men kind of dignify saying, actually, there is talent here, then they kind of take that back and they take ownership of, ownership of it. And then, no, it's not a boy band. It's, not, it's like they're a boy band. They were absolutely a boy band until like 60. I'm going to give them until 66. I think they're a boy band until they're touring because um, just the way they toured, I think it's just very boy bandy. But, you know, it's. And there's nothing wrong. I think that's kind of at the heart of the issue. There's nothing wrong with a boy band. Like, that's no. not a derogative insult the, to the call Beatles it a boy band. The wouldn't have made the impact they did if it weren't for those teenage girls at, uh, you know, Kennedy Airport. Or yeah, like, at, who's sitting at, in the, who's at Marlebone in the Sullivan Station uh, while the Beatles are running, filming A Hard Day's like Night? What, like, even, like, okay, like, when we say Beatlemania, we're not talking about you know the 35 year old guys inspecting the sergeant pepper lyrics that's not what anyone was ever talking yeah. about it's the absolute pandemonium that was primarily you know ran by the teenage girls or even just the young women in general and it's i'm very team like i'm a fan girl and i wear that as a badge of honor i do not care if someone is like oh you're just like a girly bop like teeny bop it's like i don't care like yeah i am guess what that's what they were going for that's what they were specifically writing the music for like from me to you like that's what they were intending so it's like okay yeah they've landed the correct audience and i don't know why we're supposed to act like that's a bad thing yeah it's yeah people can can paint it now as if like it was high art all along <laughs> but the beatles were a pop group there's there's nothing wrong with that yeah and they were the best pop there's group. nothing wrong with pop no it, it's that's like i mean i find that kind of in general pop culture people don't like like they're like the superhero movies today like marvel there's a lot of bad marvel but there are some some of the movies are really good, and I have no issue just coming out saying like, no, I think Iron Man two thousand eight or I think two thousand eight is a fantastic movie in a lot of ways, like just the performances and stuff like that. But because it's it has this badge of oh, it's a Marvel movie, we can't take it seriously, and so that's where I'm saying that's like kind of again I was saying I don't like pretension, like it's just you know it's pop culture, it's popular, like that is the defining quality of it you know people are like oh what is pop music today like that's like it's never going to sound the same it evolves no. and so it's that's it's just I, yeah they were a boy band i don't know they were a boy band and it's like they're the best boy band that ever was <laughs> yeah well, there's there's nothing wrong with that it, it's all a matter of semantics exactly um now there are i think you you've also kind of touched on this um there are different types of, of Beatle fans. <laughs> yes. In, in your observations <laughs> as, you know, you know, in the, in the Beatle fan sphere, uh, are you, would, would you be able to, to <laughs> illustrate some like a, of like some of the, the common yeah. types? Sometimes in my comment section, I feel like I'm watching like a nature documentary, like watching the animals at a watering hole or something. Um, I think it's so much more. You can break it down into so many subgroups. It's insane. It's, so I think there's everything has a has a niche. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Has a niche. It's like so you could obviously just break it up by strict generation, like by and I feel like even sometimes the older fans don't really even understand like Gen Z when they're talking about Gen Z, like is not a nine-year-old like that's a whole new generation anyway yeah. um but with it i think it's so fun my audience is 
all over the place and i'm obsessed with that like that's i think that brings the flavor that brings the drama to the comment section i think there's the i call them like the veterans which would be like the original fan club like the women so i have like a bunch of like 60 to 7 year old women that sometimes they come in with the hottest takes and I'm obsessed with that. Like they do not like what I had to say about Linda McCartney in this video and they're gonna let me know about it. And I'm like, preach sister, let's go. There's obviously the younger fans, there's the more, um, I think it's also, you could break it into like, what are people's interests? Like, are you the, like, obviously we're all music fans, but it's like, are you interested in the recording? Are you interested in the lyrics? Are you interested in the like history context? Like I'm very, again, in the pop culture, it's I'm interested in kind of that role the Beatles played in the world they were living in, but then I'm also more interested in their interpersonal relationships and dynamics. So I'm like someone who's gonna wanna talk for years about Hamburg. But then if you ask me about like the experience, uh, like the you know what it was like when they were recording Sgt. Pepper I'm gonna be like ah like I know I can obviously talk about it and I know a lot about it but it's not exactly that area I'm particularly passionate in and yeah. so I think you can break it into like that like what there, are people there are for? there are people who have who've like read every issue sure, yeah. of of 16 magazine and you know date book <laughs> and know all the love me some date book all, all that kind of stuff and then there are the people who can tell you you know what kind of uh, microphone cords were used yeah. in yeah, Abbey exactly. Road Studio Two while recording, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. I've also come and to defend, and this is something I never thought about before, but in kind of this experience and kind of building, like I have like a community going almost in my comment section. I think it's very valid if you just like the music. Like you don't need to know anything about them as people to be a massive diehard Beatle fan. Like if all you know is the lyrics, like that's enough. Yeah. And I feel like there's sometimes this like, oh, you don't read enough of the books or like, and it's like, that doesn't mean they're I, I, less of a fan. It, it doesn't mean they're less of a fan, but I feel like they're missing out. Oh, a hundred percent. I think it elevates every song. Like I think every song is better to like every song I listen to is immediately improved if I know the context. But then like someone like my dad, for instance, he's like, I don't need to know. Yeah. And he says it gets in the way of it. And that like, like one of the things I actually think is interesting with me with the Beatles is, you know, if I play any kind of song, right. I, I run and walk a lot. So I'm always listening to music. I have tons of playlists mm -hmm. and you know, I'll put on a random stone song, Dylan, whatever, or like something modern Harry Styles. And like, I'm like a daydreamer. I'm always like directing movies in my heads. Right. I cannot do that with Beatle music though. I can't like project myself into that because I'm too like conscious of the context about the song. So for me, like that's just the one thing I noticed with them that's like a little different is that I, I feel like I'm almost entering the point where I know so much about the individual songs that I can't even treat them as songs anymore. They're more like subjects. <laughs> yeah. And that actually leads quite smoothly into um, something that I... I've talked about on the show before and I feel like um, based on some of the videos I've seen you make uh, you you would have some some good insight into this um, of the Beatles as um, you know instead of songs it's you know pieces of history and it's yeah. like the the Beatles have almost become more of a mythology and a state sure. of mind than what actually 
Yeah. If you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah, I did. Totally. And I think that started part when I immediately started making TikTok. So I was on TikTok before I was doing Beatles stuff. I actually was making um, videos about there's a TV show Supernatural on the CW that's like the two monster hunting brothers. So I made a video because like I was really mad at the series finale. And so I just made videos legitimately just screaming, being like, Ow! And so that was my initial introduction to uh, TikTok. So I think that's part of the reason why I've always been very comfortable just sharing my opinion freely because I kind of just exploded onto the app. I, the way I first, I guess, even started making Beatle content was there was like some sort of trending sound going around, right? Where like you just added fun facts about like, like a little known fact. And so I can't even remember which one I did. I just did one specifically on the Beatles and it immediately shot off like a rocket and so i sort of realized that i know all these anecdotes because those were always the things that interested me more like i just was always far more interested into like what what was the argument that one of them walked out of the room for like i've just always been interested in that um and i kind of realized that i guess the general public has not kind of speaking to what you're saying about how they've become these myths they have very very human problems and those have been lost. And so that's kind of where my content comes in, where it's the, like... The Beatles are less like people who lived lives and yeah. were human and are now these kind of almost like Greek gods yeah. where everything is, you know... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like sometimes I'll make videos about being like, you know, sometimes people will be like, oh, like what is the real truth behind this? And I'll be like, Paul was feeling bitchy. That's the answer. Like, there's not really an agenda there. It was random, dispassionate, and just kind of lashing out. And so that's kind of, um, I think they are very human to me, but they kind of come around and they're so human that I've kind of almost lost them again, that I almost feel like they've come back around to that myth. Because I'm just like, I look at Paul McCartney's life and I'm like, I do not understand. He's like a comedy of errors. And obviously the most successful musician of all time. But in a lot of ways, interpersonally. I, I've, I've heard you say that. Could, he's, could, you, could you elaborate oh, on I mean, the, uh, the comedy of horrors of the life of I, James Paul McCartney? Oh, I mean, just every step of the way. Right? So, like, I talk a lot about his girlfriends because I just think they're wild. <laughs> they are wild. And I don't mean in, like, crazy sexcapades and all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, Paul, his one girlfriend, like Dot, who yeah. he was dating around the time when John got Cynthia pregnant. And, she... and I, sorry, I have yeah. to interrupt as a Canadian. Oh, my uh, God, I love yeah, her. Dot. Uh, last, is she alive? I don't know if she's alive. But I if can't she figure is, out if she's alive. She's, uh, she lives in either lived or lives in Mississauga, Ontario. Yes, she does. Well, that's kind of why I think she's so funny because kind of reading through different interviews and stuff like that, because she's one of most, there's kind of that weird thing where most of the girlfriends really have not gone on the record in major ways. Obviously, we do have some of the books, but I think the books are very mild. I don't think there's any we'll, particularly we'll, we'll scathing. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, with like Dot, I just think it's very funny the way she talks about Paul and that he was like very human, that he would be like, he would forget anniversaries. And like, I don't know, he's just supposed to be this super, right, a video I was talking about pretty recently um, was Paul seemed to, right around the time he married Linda, 
he kind of had four girlfriends going at the exact same time and seemed to be pretty distressed about it. <laughs> like was just kind of cracking up. So he shows up on the doorstep of one of the girlfriends, Maggie in tears and doesn't tell her what's wrong. And she's like very confused by that. And then he just leaves, doesn't tell her anything. And then two days later is when he marries Linda. And so I'm just, again, like these comedy of errors. It's like, you are supposed to be like, you are the cute one. You are the womanizer. You are supposed to be this God tier level of, you know, just every woman around you is just dropping like at your feet, but he's so bad at it sometimes. (laughs) And it's so funny to me, or even with John and Paul's relationship together, right there, Lennon McCartney, this linked mind, like writing songs, eyeball to eyeball. And it's remarkable to me how often they had miscommunication. It's like, it, it doesn't even make sense. How, Paul McCartney, are you 40 years deep still kind of being like, John knew I loved him, right? Like, it, like you can almost tell like in interviews, Paul almost is like asking the interviewer for reassurance sometimes being like, I told him I loved him. I told him what he mean to me, but I think he cared back. Like, uh, I can't remember, like Hulu has a McCartney thing that's like, get back adjacent. Yeah, the three, two, one. Yeah. And I can't remember what John says. He just, who's hosting that? I'm like blanking on that. Rick Rubin. Yeah, okay. Like, he just plays something that John says that's a compliment to Paul. And Paul is very clearly taken aback by it. And, like, that's just a perfect example of John and Paul to each other, to me, where it's like, I don't understand how you can live that life together, go through that completely, absolutely alien experience together, create all of that art, you know, have a friendship or, like, a dynamic or, like, creative partnership so deep that you're calling it a divorce in their own words, but then also be capable of like hurting each other carelessly so often. Yeah. So like, these are the areas where I'm just like, I want to hit them with a shovel. It's like my expression. Well, I say it, a lot. It just, <laughs> it goes to show how human they are. Yeah. I think they had so much of their brain power going to their absolutely unleveled art that they became dumb in certain ways. <laughs> so like they would just get dumb with just like talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's a lot of areas in the Beatles' uh, <laughs> career that, as time went on, uh, things made less and less sense. <laughs> Some things intentionally. <laughs> yeah, like at, af- after Brian Epstein died, it it just kind of oh it got God. it got progressively sillier. Oh my God! I think everyone. I think George becomes particularly, I'm just thinking, just immediately jumping to head, the Hell's Angel issue where he just goes rogue and just invites the Hell's Angels to stay, not just to visit, but to live at Apple or the record. I don't know which one of them, either it, Apple it or the record. Apple and, uh, you know, it was, there was a Christmas party or something and the Hell's <laughs> Angels ate like the whole I don't like know who, turkey. if it's, it might be Mal or Neil, like one of the very inner circle gives a quote about this party. And it is one, of, and this is again, one of my reasons why I'm so, I find them so funny is because I think people, because there was nothing like them, I think people, as it was happening, were aware it was historic and were very 
deliberate and when like you know like so when someone like mal evans does tell a story it's extremely vivid and so i can't remember who says it but one of them describes it as like the hell's angels trampled several children <laughs> and it's like i, I think these... it, i think it was i think it was neil yeah i think it's neil that's I, right i probably an anthology i think something and it's just but like the best thing about that entire party that entire escapade of the hell's angel george doesn't even show up for it he's just yeah. like that's not my problem <laughs> just like excellent again no notes like per like you couldn't write it like i think that's part of the issues with like beetle movies is there's not like you can't embellish it you don't need to it nothing yeah. is crazier than what really happened it's someone could do like a, a a stand or someone could write like a comedic book about beetles history and they wouldn't even have to try and make it funny Oh, that's like, I okay, sometimes just their verbatim. manager dies. They don't know what to do. They make a movie with no script, but they have a circle. Then they go to Greece and they're <laughs> like, hey, buy let's island. buy some islands. And then they go to India. Uh, one of them leaves like almost <laughs> right away because he doesn't like the food. And because Mo didn't like bugs. I feel yeah. very seen in that because I would be getting the hell out of there, too. Uh, two of them leave because the spiritual leader got a little pervy. <laughs> then they get back to England, and then they're like, you know what? We're starting a company. And then I they just... go on like these trips to New York to seem all businessman-like. And then it's... Even, even that was chaos. Like, John yeah. and Paul, like, didn't know where they were going to stay. And, like, they're going to put it up in, like, their manager's friend's apartments. It's, like, yeah. even that was complete and they, chaos. they went on, like, the Tonight Show. Oh, my God. Why is there, like, barely any footage of that? I don't know. The audio's out there, I think. Yeah, it, that's, like, a very – that's, like, one of the – there's very few things that I feel like we're missing. And that's, like, one of them that's, like, that stands out a lot to me. Yeah. It's just, how does someone – like magic alex <laughs> get involved with the most popular group of musicians of the 20th century and manages to derail yeah i think crazy recognizes crazy yeah and gets drawn to each other and so that's why i always say like um, I, I think a lot of the, I call them, again, because I tell stories, right? I'm doing story times. Obviously, it's, you're almost, you're almost elevating people to characters, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm doing that for comedic effect. It's very deliberate. So I kind of consider like the side characters really show the hell up. Like they really come to be like, I like someone like Magic Alex. I love Robert Frazier. Like, <laughs> just absolute chaos. Someone, so Jane Asher like and this is speaking again to like a missing video where the hell is the episode i can't remember which show she was on the top i could if you put a gun to my head i could come up with it off the top of my head where she dumps paul on live yeah, television um... where the hell is it i need it. i cannot describe to you the hours hours i have spent looking for this on the internet like the way back machine like it doesn't i don't think it exists or if it does it's like somewhere in like the bbc's basements yeah. but i need it i need that like that's another example of paul being like just absolute chaos just Imagine absolute being chaos such a um i i don't know how to describe the beatles uh situation other than you know how in like uh 
Looney Tunes cartoons, like <laughs> the Tasmanian Devil is just like oh no, literally everything. The Beatles is just one big spinning cloud, and it's just it's, the Beatles have so much baggage, but that by the time they're ready to put out an album, half of like the record buying public thinks one of them is dead. Oh my God, Paul is like, I, but then they're also I playing love, into it. I love. But and then, but no one's quite sure how much they were playing into it. I know it's like, and that's kind of part of. I think that's what I'm saying with the crazy recognizes crazy things out of their control. Again, that's like the kind of like they're on that slingshot to the moon, right? So everything around them's insane, but then they personally are sometimes very intentionally going crazy. So that's like John, I think, really stoking the flames of that Paul is dead thing. But then kind of less, like a more subconsciously, like Paul would not get his teeth fixed. He wouldn't go to the dentist. And he was like, no, we're going to grow mustaches instead. Like, that's how he handled that. And it's like, that's what sets it all off. And so that's like, there, you have so many different levels of crazy, right? It's like, you have the public crazy, the press crazy, the contemporaries crazy. You have them just being on drugs, making crazy decisions. And then you have them being like ball breakers. Like, let's like, let's really shake it up in here. So it's just, there's, everything is up in the air at all times. You know what? I'm going to kind of shuffle around the, the organization of the show because I don't know how long this segment will take. Go uh, for it. Because, again, it's uh, for the listeners of the show, you know what segment it is. It is the mistitled segment of the show, the quick fire <laughs> questions. Oh my God. The questions are quick, the answers are not. Brooke, what is your favorite Beatles song? Uh, Mother Nature's Son. That was. I actually. That was. I actually, have an answer. That was fast. I don't could, know why, could but you it elaborate is. on it. I'm actually. This is again one of my mo probably my most controversial take as a content creator. Uh, the White Album is just like not my fave album. Obviously, great songs on it, but I'm like, I very rarely jump to it. So I always think it's ironic that my favorite song is on that. I listen to Mother Nature's Son and like just start sobbing. I don't know why, but I do. I feel like it's just Paul at his core like there's some pure level like i feel like we've pulled away a lot of that and i'm just like oh my god yeah the the white album features the beatles at their most kind of uh opulent but also yeah. at, at their most stripped down and earnestness yeah it's there's a Earnest. lot i i'm team i'm very I tend to be in the George Martin camp virtually all the time. Uh, excuse, uh, maybe not on that like initial single. It was like, the, what was that you want to do? Like, how do you do what you do? Like, maybe not yeah. that. Um, but well, it worked for Jerry and the Pacemakers. I, I yeah, right. I'm like, it should be shorter. <laughs> That's just my hot take. I'm like, it doesn't. Like, I look at Paul's some of Paul's double albums, like in Wings, like, a, and again, I because I'm a Spotify person, don't ask me for the context of when this came out. But like I love Red Rose Speedway and I love a lot of the archive edition and the double album component of it. And like a lot of those deeper cuts are actually some of my favorite songs. Like Thank You, Darling is like one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, just the kazoos alone. <laughs> but it's just like I think it's so all over the place as an album that it's it's not that I don't get it. Like I get what they're doing, but I'm not on board with it in the way that I am like with something like Revolver. Yeah. Now, the flip side to the question, 
What is your least favorite Beatles song? Oh my God, I have another answer. Oh my God, and I would love to hear it. This is that. This is a very bad answer. It's Ticket to Ride. It's a oh. very bad answer for that. That is a first for the show. I just, I don't know. I watched Help a lot. I like. I just found it annoying after a while. Like especially the end of it when they're going like, ah, like I just. Normally, I'm all over that. I'm like, I don't know. It just doesn't rock with me for some reason. I I'm gonna be honest. Usually, I can kind of see from the guest perspective. What, <laughs> no, that's about not saying this song. one's a bad one. I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm I'm a I'm a musician, and there so you um, yeah, one of the the best moments of like a Beatles uh, recorded performance instrument is that opening jangly sure. Rickenbacker 12 string. And it's... Because that's like one of the most important sounds of the Beatles' yeah. career. Oh, no, no, 100%. No, I know I objectively have a... Oh, this is a weird take, as you to put it low it, But on it is list. a weird song. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's... The time it like, comes even out... The, even the drumming is weird. Uh, yeah, well, actually, I, I, I like say the that also often, as honestly. a drummer... It's like, I do like. Brum, blah, 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 I blah. almost feel like that song was a little like. I feel like they were almost a little too early making that. Like I feel like if they had made that song three years later, it would have been much better to me, in my opinion. But then also while I'm thinking, um, "Good morning, good morning" is my alarm, um, and I react violently to that song actually now because I just associate it with being woken up for God knows what. See, I, also, I that react was kind of violently the annoying with that song. Because of how it is, yeah. But I love it because it's it's it seems like to me the most chaotic song in the Beatles discography. Sure, and I always say like I never claim to have taste. Like I think Wild Honey Pie is like a normal song. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like I I don't know if I've admitted this on on the show, uh, but one of my one of my dear friends who does well, you would have heard his. voiceover at the beginning with the theme song of this episode uh he had a radio show um on like a community radio station and he would you know occasionally when i was up at my cottage uh, he would invite me over and you know i'd go on the radio with him and one time he uh went off to the bathroom and uh i noticed his his software was relatively easy to figure out and so I managed to sneak Wild Honey Pie into his actual radio show. <laughs> what a no- jump scare. And no one noticed until, like, the station manager had the radio on and was listening to the show. And so, like, I put it in, like, five minutes before. And there you go. no one noticed until it started playing on the radio. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it is an annoying. Like, well, that's the other thing. It's like sometimes songs are annoying, but they're annoying on purpose. And I don't I'm not personally annoyed by it. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. So like something like people get really mad. I like, oh, bada, oh, And like, like, I know. But like, it doesn't annoy me. Like, I'm like, you know, what I mean, I just am on board with that. See, that's why one of my one of my prized possessions as a as a big Beatle nerd record collector is I have a bootleg uh, that someone did in like the '90s that has on one side Revolution Nine on a single, uh, and it looks like one of the old Capitol 
one. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. And the other side is wild honey pie. And the, that's what my head sounds like. <laughs> you have two wolves inside of you. It's yeah. Revolve. Yeah, the, Revolution 9 and wild honey pie. My the, other answer, the, now the I'm thinking about it. Man. My other answer, and I know I don't like to be pretend. This is like a snobbish Beatle take, but genuine to God, one of my absolute favorite songs, like top listen to, is You Know My Name. Look up the number. Oh, I love it. It's the entire. Because they're having fun. I like I. That's a song I run to, and I look, I look crazy because I am laughing my ass off the entire time. Yeah. It's just Welcome so Welcome to Slaggers. <laughs> the, the kind of like offbeat clapping is that sends me, like actually sends me. Yeah. It's just so good. They sound like, oh, I made a video about them one time. They sound like Muppets sometimes, <laughs> like specifically Muppets. And that's a very Muppet adjacent <laughs> song. They sound like Muppets. And I like that a lot. It, it starts off sounding like a normal Beatles song. And yeah. then it's like. It's like a scene out of Fraggle Rock. <laughs> so real. Um, kind of similar question. Uh, what is your favorite Beatles album? Oh, God help me. Uh... And I, I shall state, as I always do, this question on the show is kind of a trick question because there is an unofficial correct answer to the next two questions or this question and the next question i think right now it's revolver it goes back and forth between revolver and abby you got it you got it there you go revolver is the correct answer it is i think it is (laughs) it's just it's i kind of you know obviously the remastered came out and i kind of have not really listened to that that closely so i kind Uh, of just you don't need to I, I mean, I like the, well, we've had a lot of the bootleg, like the, like the John and Paul laughing on In Your Bird Can Sing. Like, I feel like I've heard that for years. Yeah, well, it was on anthology and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, but some of the stuff, uh, and also. The Yellow the, Submarine demo. The, the demo, I'm going to be honest, I got sick of the, the demo quite sure. quickly. Because I found it, like, I just found it kind of whiny. Oh, no, absolutely. I uh, From a TikTok perspective, a lot of times we make content. So, a lot, like, if I'm not – not all my content, I'm talking. Sometimes I'll just have pictures and I'll do, like, a funny sound or whatever. So we got a lot of mileage out of that for just kind of psychoanalyzing John Lennon and talking about how sad his yeah. childhood was. That was a good yeah. anthem gonna, for I'm that. I'm going to speak in a language that will be incomprehensible to uh, any of our listeners over the age of probably 35. 35 it's like oh john small bean yeah yeah exactly (laughs) i like took that uh demo like the day it dropped on like that we could use it on tiktok i just used it to i just put pictures like a slideshow of baby john pictures and then i said he wrote this song and so then everyone in the comment section is just sobbing and i was like just you know i mean you had to like it was just that video was just there someone had to make it so i did now, the flip side to that okay. question. What is your least favorite Beatle album? Does everyone always say Magical Mystery Tour? No. I feel like people fight about that. That's a Reddit fight. People are like, it's not a real album. Um, okay, I have had extensive discussions with my with my friends about the validity of, of Magical Mystery Tour to the point where we're like, 
okay, well, it, it, it is, well, it, it's, it's not an album, but it is an album because the Beatles had to sign off on Capitol putting out the album. So the Beatles yeah. were aware of it, but it's not an album because it didn't come so, out So like, is yesterday and today not an album? Uh, no. It's like, it is though. I mean, it's not, I mean, they're mad at that one, but See, like there well, are albums. <laughs> theoretically, yes, but th yeah. I, they're not albums made by the Beatles or albums no, yeah. made by Capitol Records. Sure, but like also like some of the early stuff is pretty similar in that. They weren't that involved on like track listing and stuff like that. And it's I think my least favorite. That's really hard. I am a Beatles for sale supremacist. <laughs> so Thank I love you. Beatles for sale. I I, I that, have my that gets session. unfairly shit on. I love the Cowboys. I love the Cowboy Beetle album. It's just the best. I think that's the Ringo's cowboy moment. Beetle album. It's they're absolute cowboys. <laughs> that is a cowboy album. Um Oh my god, what would be my I'm trying to think like I guess like the one I listen to the least. I have jumped ship entirely on Let It Be and went to Naked. So I think just by virtue of the fact that I guess I have two of the same album, that seems excessive. So I'm gonna say the original release of Let It Be right now. And you know what? You got the second Boom. secret answer correct. Boom. Let it be. Like it's, I'm just, and that's. It's, it, it has nothing to do with let it be or let it be naked. It's just, I, I think it's just a weak album. It's, it's a Paul McCartney standard album. Like it's, it's like a piano standards. <laughs> yeah. Like there are songs on it that, it, hey, they could have put that out as a really good single. Oh no! Yeah, exactly. That's that. That's not that shocking to me that that album came together in like what three weeks. <laughs> yeah, like well, it's like oh yeah, that that kind of that kind of checks out. Well, no, the album like was recorded in three weeks, but then it was such a clusterfuck oh, that God. it sat on a shelf for like. But isn't a that year? perfect for the Beatles that they have Abbey Road and they have the song The End, and it's still not the last song that's released. Obviously, the Her Majesty also fucks it up. But like, we could have had that nice little storybook ending, but nope, it's the Beatles, so we're not going according to plan. Which I feel like that is also kind of happening again. Yeah. Now with the new AI like enhanced sure. version of uh, probably now and then. Yeah, um, I mean it has to because I feel then. like uh, the end would have been the perfect Beatles song, but then they did you know Let It Be and you know all that stuff came out, and then I kind of felt that like Real Love worked as a good sure. epilogue to the Beatles. I like cannot listen to Free as a Bird. I like actually start having a panic attack because I get too upset. Like I'm not someone that's like particularly weepy. Over like John's death, obviously, I think he's just been he's been dead longer than he was alive, and it's like I wasn't alive to grieve that. I, however, if I go to Strawberry Fields, I start sobbing, um, because I just I well, actually it's a lie. I like being at Strawberry Fields. I don't like going to D the Dakota because I f I don't want to go where he was killed. Like that, I don't like. So, like I know people like want to take pictures there all the time. I'm just like, ill no, the ju like I don't. I I'm very into juju, and I'm like, there's bad juju there. Um, but yeah, no, like I'm. I don't even know what I was talking about. What was I talking about? I don't even get there. Uh, how you can't listen to uh, Free Oh, Free as a Bird. Yeah, no, like, I'm not particularly weepy about John's death. That song gets me. And, like, just Paul's, especially Paul's verses on that, like, I, I just freak out on it. Like, I literally have a full body reaction to that song. 
What what about real love? I think I kind of I mean, obviously I like it. I just haven't listened. I literally have such an aversion to Free as a Bird. I kind of ignore a lot of the apologies. <laughs> like if I see that they come up on Spotify, it's like because the album, like, the art is too similar. So I feel like I skip it a lot. <laughs> I, I'm going I to like do a, like, with the, like when the better. new one comes out, I'm going to do a, I'll do a more dedicated revisit. I, I like it better than Free as a Bird. Yeah. Even though Free as a Bird had more Beatle involvement, real yeah. love feels more like yeah. a Beatles song. I always confuse it with one of John's songs and I can't even remember what song I'm confusing it with. Love. No, it's not. Like, I... Love is real. Yeah, yeah, that one. Okay, I confuse them all the time. They got they got the word love going a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the thing, love is real. Yeah. Twice. Real. Like, yeah. John, think of, think of something else. He doesn't have to. You're getting, you're getting sloppy, man. <laughs> I know. He doesn't have to, though. I, I'm very team. Like, that's like one of my jokes with Paul that I always say is like, he wrote yesterday. He could have just closed up shop at that. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah, he's going to put out Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the kind of privilege you get when you're Paul McCartney. You get to do that. Yeah. It, you can, once you've written, like, yesterday and Hey Jude and Let It Be, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. You you can put out Mary Had a Little Lamb. You can... I think he was the one Beatle that understood that the best. Because I think he is just so comfortable doing whatever the yeah. hell he, he wants can, musically. He can put out the soundtrack to an animated movie about a <laughs> frog <laughs> and a bear... I can't with him. I literally... This is what I'm saying. He, he makes me laugh. He has a radio show called Ubu Jubu. He's just got the range. Man, Paul's got the range. Because that's like... I am a staunch defender of Mary Had a Little Lamb. Because that's, again, the funniest thing about that song is not just that... First of all, that he put... Okay, everyone's calling his music fruity and camp. Let's just put out a nursery rhyme on top of that. Let's also sandwich that and have our immediate next single be Give Ireland Back to the Irish. So you already have, like, just the weird juxtaposition between just, like, rebellion and lambs. But then on top of it, the the audacity for you to make it a really good song. Like, it actually... It's a bop. It's an absolute bop. Like, that's the funniest thing about it to me. It's like, no, he didn't just, like, do a little ditty on the piano. It's like... He's like, hey, everybody. Like, it's so much. Like, I, I, I cannot that, deal. That the same privilege goes for all four Beatles. Oh, yeah. It's like, you, you were in the Beatles. You can, you can get away with a lot more than... Go to Thomas the Tank Engine, Ringo. Do whatever the hell you want to do. You're you, Ringo you can, Starr. You can put out as many EPs as you want, Ringo. <laughs> it, it, no, I don't know if anyone's listening to them, but... <laughs> Just hey, put them out, babes. Hey, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> I like that's what I'm saying. It's it's the Beatle privilege, and I think yeah. I like that Paul seems to be the one that utilizes that the most. Yeah. And uh, I'm gonna. I I this isn't really part of the quickfire question, but you you have mentioned you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of recapping things from Beatle books and and yeah. such. Uh, what are what are some of your favorite Beatle books? My favorite. So I was a big library kid. Like after school, I would go to the library. So I a lot of the books I read. I, I mean this with peace and love. <laughs> no, <You can> <laughs> right? You could tell. <laughs> 
I so I was just picking up very random books that I don't like just random Beatle biographies and I'm sure if you put them in front of me today I would recognize them but I don't even like I don't know what I was reading when I first like one of the conversations I had with one of my friends on Twitter she was like I don't understand because she was basically saying she's like I know a lot about the Beatles but like I don't know how you know all of these weird deep cuts and it's like for me I think the way I learn a lot is that I've read all of these books a long time ago and have these random phrases in my head. And then I'm really good at internet searching, like doing like from like almost like an academic, like attacking Google and like doing like cross searches and stuff like that. And so like Beetle books like that. Putting those quotation marks to good use. Yeah. No, like really going deep on stuff like that. Like I become borderline a stalker to get like okay like someone listed a date book on ebay so that i'll go to their page being like have you listed other date books and stuff like that like going i get very creative with it um so as for that like those were like kind of my foundations um i had a bunch of books that i read all throughout high school but my family moved and sold our family house and i was in college when that happened so my mom just emptied my bedroom without consulting me so i don't have any of those books anymore so i'm slowly behind out right power move power move um so i've kind of been recently in the last like two years really like been rebuilding up my library um so kind of my like i'm the person that like my favorite book is whatever book i just read (laughs) so right now linda mccartney by danny fields I obsessed over that book. I made like a 10 minute video that like four people watched and I don't care (laughs) because I'm like, it's all so good. That was one of the more fun memoir. I, one of the things I really liked about that book that I find in a lot of these Beatle books, because like right now I'm doing like the Patty Boyd book. Um, I'm about to finish Chris O'Dell's. Like I'm, I'm rereading a lot of these because I also read these when I was like a, like when you read a book at 12, especially about something like, a marriage like I read John when I was like 12 so it's like I didn't really like sure I read that and so I remember a lot from it but I don't really think I understood it at that age so I have to like revisit stuff a lot like to, because I have to be like oh I'm an adult now and now I understand why Jane was like how she was with him because I also would literally have slammed the door in his face like 50 different times <laughs> um Chris O'Dell, but so I think Chris O'Dell's book is great, but I, one of the things I liked about Danny Fields' book is that it's sort of this pseudo-biography, pseudo-memoir, and he's very, he owns that. He owns the fact that it's not going, he's like, go read, if you want the definitive, comprehensive, day-by-day breakdown of the breakup, go read a book that exists already by someone who's smarter than me wrote it. Um, but he's very, like, he's just honest about when his opinion's coming in, so like, just something that jumps to mind is he's telling a story about, like, how when Linda moved over, married Paul, she dropped all of her friends and no one heard from her for like 18 months, basically. And they were rightfully pissed off about that. Um, And he sort of generously, in my opinion, kind of explains this in what he thinks was going on. And so he was saying he thinks probably that her father advised her not to talk to people about it because of all the ongoing lawsuits and the fact that they were all like New York socialites and gossips. And so just having someone in the book write that out and say like this is not definitive i don't have proof of this this is just what i've always assumed i really respect the hell out of that because i think a lot of these beetle books that are written by like you know not the big ones but i think some of these like little memoirs you know sometimes like the sisters write books or stuff like that 
they don't really own the fact that they weren't there for all of this, right? So it's like if one of their sisters is writing about their time in Hamburg, they do have insight. They do know their brother, obviously, but they weren't there. And yeah. so a lot of their information is already coming from third party. And so that's sometimes why I look at these like when it's the, you know, someone who was married to a Beatle, someone who lived with like, I take every one of those with a grain of salt. Um, but I love that. And I think that's where the flavor comes in, because like John is a different person based on whose book you're reading, like a very different person. And that's fun. So um, recently reread May Pang. I'm going through the girly pops. I, mean, I did like yeah. May Pang, Chris O'Dell. Patty's up next. I like started leafing through that. Um, and then I want to do uh, You Never Give Me Your Money. I have not actually I, read that. I was, I was about to say. That's have, like the top you, of my list. Have you read... You never give me your money. Well, you know what I do? That's so annoying. And this is such like, if any author ever hears this, they're going to cringe. Like I treat those kind of books more as textbooks and you don't read a textbook cover to cover. So like I like leaf through a lot. Like I don't always just sit down and read them. And like, that's part of why I can have these random anecdotes off the top of my head all the time is because I'm not bogging myself down with like a definitive, like here's what they did from you, day you, one through. Well, but that's you, not the kind of book. You never no, I, that one. I, yeah, that one. I think I'm gonna be you're, like you're I, doing yourself a disservice. No, that they, one. I'm based be on like, sit what down. I've uh, what I've gathered about you, <laughs> you would love this book. I know, I know, I is, will. Like, it is f so. I don't know how I haven't read it are, already. It is. If you like gossip, oh and my gosh. pettiness and it's just everything, bitchiness, and they're so catty. And, 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 but one of the best things is it's it almost seems like half the time the author, uh, Peter Doggett, I don't I can't speak to this as a fact, but it seems like sometimes he just has disdain for his subjects. <laughs> that's and so, so, he's so real. snarky about. No, that's what I need. Like, and that's I love what I'm it. For. He is it's so, so funny. <laughs> Well, that's like sometimes I'll be telling a story and I'll be like, I will literally have to pause the story and I have to be, I cannot stand him as a person. <laughs> like, like it's just there. And that's what I'm saying. Like, they're real people in that capacity. So they like, piss everyone off all the, the time. The best example I, I can think, I may be getting this slightly jumbled, but uh, some of the best ones are the photo, uh, the photo section with the, the <laughs> credits. Um there was one from the Apple launch in, oh, God. in New York. Is it John? Oh, no. God. And it's Paul, uh, a quote, uh, Paul saying like Apple Corp. Well, you know, it, it's a bit of a pun actually. Uh, and then it said, Paul pointed out helpfully. <laughs> but that's how you need to cover them. Because yeah. if we're, if you're too caught up in the reverence, you're not. You're missing a lot of it. You're missing a lot. There is no reverence. No. Well, no. I think it's. It's. I think you have to revere them so much that you enter the disdain, yeah. because it's like that's like with me with like sometimes with John and Paul and George. This is I hit this with George a lot. Like me and George have beef, because <laughs> I'm like you are so much smarter and you are such a better songwriter than you're. Like I'm sometimes like stop being fucking whiny you knew you were good you didn't need him sitting over your shoulder telling you oh what a good song that is so enough you're just bitching to bitch and like that's like my like sometimes people do not like hearing me say that because but then i'm again i'm like i am a all girly pop so what do you think my entire this is actually a fun thing i've noticed 
that when we were going back to our conversation about the different kinds of fans, right? In social media with Gen Z, I think George is by far the most common favorite Beatle. Yes. Like by far. And then it goes to John and then Ringo has a very dedicated kind of cult following and there's a lot of them. But Paul, there's this bizarre borderline. um, A lot of times when I do see these people even talking about uh, Paul, it's always in context related directly to John and they almost just use Paul as a way of making John seem smarter or more complicated and like that he's more emotionally intelligent. So that's part of my agenda on my TikTok is kind of just pushing the McCartney agenda because I feel like there's been this like gross overcorrection that people kind of are like down on Paul sometimes. Like they're almost like, I don't know people how it's have been possible. down on Paul? Since John died. Well, well actually. Since before John. Since, since 1970. Yeah, since the Beatles broke up. And then and, there, there are books like, you know, Philip Norman's Shout. Oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then- I have know, that on my bookshelf. That that whole era of Beatle book writing and like the love you make. The biography, um, the biopics. That's another thing I love watching is the, especially the, like the shit they made for TV ones. Yeah. Like Borderline, Yoko, a love so, story. Yeah. Those biopics are almost never actually about the Beatles. They're almost always just about John. And because of that, like, I'm even thinking like either like, I don't, have you seen Backbeat? Um, Backbeat's I've actually po- gone out of my way not to watch Backbeat. Yeah, I am not in like the Stuart Sutcliffe fan camp that exists. Like I'm just I'm I'm fine with him. I think people just really inflate his importance just because he's like pretty and a tragic figure. I'm just very like, okay, yeah, moving on. <laughs> uh, um but in Backbeat, one of the things about Backbeat that really pisses me off is because the casting, I think, is so well for George and Paul, and they're barely in the movie. And I obviously, I understand the intent of the movie is about Stu and Astrid. Obviously, I understand it's... But the fact that it is, by virtue, the Hamburg movie, it's such a waste. Because if Paul is not shuffled off to the side, because basically Paul in that movie, his only role is really just as, like, John's handler, who also, they kind of go out of their way to point out that John, that it's almost like Paul doesn't understand John in a way Stu does. Like, they very kind of pointedly do that, and I really resent that kind of narrative. Well, I, um, I also really don't like how they handled the music for that movie. No, 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 the whole thing. That movie's a, that, there's a lot going on there. And I just, I hate the fact that in a lot of these biopics, not only is it always about John, Paul almost comes out as the antagonist in these. Like, it's just, that's so wrong to me like it's just so violently biased I, I and mean, that's why i've I... always had a soft spot for for nowhere boy yeah because sure. it, it came out when i was getting into the beatles yeah and so it was like the beetle biopic. that's a wild movie yeah that's a wild movie and then the context everyone's always like upset about the bizarrely sexual nature yeah, of julia the, and john the sexual tension between john and his mother um, and then you find that the director is also like 17 years older than the actor who played John and then marries him. So there's yeah. like, there, that's so there weird. Is, this could, it, I should bring on a, an expert in Freudian psychology. Yeah, that's a big Freud one. That's a yeah. big Freud movie. I also think that movie did a lot of damage to people. I think a lot of people take that as more a fact than it is. Yeah. Like for some reason, because it was, I guess, like a higher production value, people think it's more accurate. There's a lot of liberties taken there, but yeah. I, I also say one of the reasons it's 
because I kind of was like ranking some of them a while ago. It's one about of the reasons... as accurate as the movie Yesterday. Oh God, I fucking hate that movie so much. I Me hate too. that movie. I was so enraged by the John cameo at the end. I was like, "You do not earn this. Like this, this you do not." Get I, this. I thought it was just disgusting. I just was like, "This is so tasteless." He, like you, you. So you're implying. That I don't know what the hell that movie. I don't know implying. what the, I don't know what the implication is, but it's just like. The, I don't know. It's he's not an even actual funny. guy, and he's dead, and I just there's the whole implication of it. It's just he's also like the weird undernote. He's alone in that cottage. So like, what are you saying by that? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like... I'm gonna be honest. I haven't said or heard the word implication. This much uh, since I watched this uh, episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> I got my buzzwords. I love certain buzzwords that I'm always going yeah. in with. Because of the implication. Exactly. The implication. But yeah, so I don't like those Beatle movies that, um, I don't know. I think it's, I kind of literally just started, I like borderline threatening this that I was like, one day I'm going to produce the Hamburg like multi-part episode series and I will do it just <laughs> Because it's just there's there's so much there. There's I don't know why I think part of the reason Hamburg compels me so is just because I guess it's they're at their youngest and they're not quite there yet. They're not quite at these myth levels yet. So I, they're the most like I lived at college. I dormed at college, so I dormed with these disgusting nineteen year old boys. Like I lived with these people, and so I think it's recognizable to me. But I can also recognize how they're still quite the exception. Like. I knew a lot of boys that played guitar and, you know, and stuff like that. Like I knew those kind of guys and these are just so obviously on another level, but also the, some of the shenanigans are also just very recognizable. And I'm just like, Oh my God, <laughs> like I cannot deal with them. Now I, I, I think to bring this to a close, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do something kind of strange. Go um, for it. If you can in, 10 words or less Ten, oh, describe Jesus. the state of current beetle fandom please Ooh. do in in under 10 or in uh, a sentence or two right it's a lot of um you know the expression like herding cats yeah it's like you have successfully herded the cats, so you got us all in one room, but now everyone's just screeching because they're all trapped in one environment. You know what I mean? So it's like we've they I through social media you have gathered us all here. We've all found our own ways. Like I'm shocked by how many plus sixty five people I have on TikTok. Like that's a significant amount of people in my audience. So you social social media has brought us all here through our own little journeys. We've all gotten here and none of us agree on anything and everyone is shouting all the time. <laughs> that's what I believe it is. And I think that's that's a great note to end on. <laughs> and I will turn things over to you now. Where can people find you? You can find me on TikTok. I am at perhaps Brooke. I also am on Twitter and instagram but that's kind of not really content but i'm still there come say hello um i'm also going i'd like to say this in public forum so i have to do it i have to deliver on this i'm going to start making youtube videos um that will be kind of just expanding on some of the topics that we go over on my tiktok so drop on by say hello my tiktok's very comment driven so i really talk about what like it's a conversation so i'll make a video talking about you know uh 
Paul and Jane, and then people ask questions, and then I make a video answering those questions, and then we have more questions. So it's very easy to talk to me. So I'm looking forward to chatting with y'all. <laughs> and now I'll do my little spiel and see if I can actually remember everything, because the last episode I recorded, I didn't remember all of my things <laughs> I need to plug. So let's see if I can do this. Uh, uh, okay, let's try this. Um, if you want to find me elsewhere, uh, I'm on Instagram at Fans on the Run Podcast. I'm on Twitter at Fans on the Run Pod, and I'm on Facebook uh, as something. I <laughs> fans Fans on the Run, a podcast by made by. It's the name of the show. The long, yeah, you're on it's, Facebook. I, I'm not hard to find. The links will be in the description. I'm around. Um, again, this show is available to listen wherever all podcasts can be heard. So your Googles, your Apples, your Spotify, your Deezer, your Podbean, Podbay. SoundCloud? Stitcher. Not SoundCloud. Whoa. But uh, pr probably about 100 other uh, <laughs> platforms I don't know about that Podbean just decides let's let's go let's do this <laughs> um and is there anything else is there anything else um oh yes uh if you like the show and you've liked uh if you feel so inclined please leave a review on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, but don't leave a bad review because I will, it will stay in my head for months. And <laughs> I, I thought will, you were going to say, I, will I was going to delete it. I, well, you can't delete the reviews. <laughs> I can delete comments. If, if, anyone, I am God. if anyone knows how to delete reviews, other people have left, reach out at fans on the run podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. And with that, Brooke, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. This has been fun. My first podcast. Uh, let, let's hope it's. Let's hope I didn't scare you away from no. the medium as a whole. I know it's in the future. I think. <laughs> and to everyone else out there, thank you for listening. Your support means the world to me. Thank you for listening. You can go home. Fans on the Run is produced by Ethan Alexander. Additional voiceovers by Richard Fuller. This has been a Showtown production.